We know it's not real, but it's our thoughts that provoke emotions that make us believe that they're real. And that is where addictions can take form. Hello and welcome to A Doctor's View, a podcast looking at everyday health topics and life through a doctor's eyes. Please note that all opinions are my own and should not replace the advice given to you by your own doctor. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Let's begin. Hello everyone, welcome to Doctor's View. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Apologies for the lack of episode last week, but I was on a very small break, but I'm back now. And if you're new to the show, welcome. And if you are a long-time listener, then welcome back. So this week, I want to talk about video game addiction and whether or not there's a possibility that they incite violent behaviour. And I'm going to touch about the everlasting debate that we, we have on that in society. And I'm going to go into why I believe it's so easy for us to become addicted to video games and also how to recognise some of these symptoms and what we can do. And then I'll talk about the violence and uh, the computer game debate and give my own thoughts on that. So most of us can relate to loving the odd computer game. This is, you know, not a not a big deal. And this is actually why I wanted to go into this, because it's uh, become quite a fundamental part of our everyday life, everyday society and, and enjoyment. It has been for generations to some extent, albeit computer games have become much more rich and enthralling and graphically superior and that helps make them more and more addictive and more and more enjoyable to play to some extent but that's debatable too. Following on from a previous podcast where I was discussing how our psychology works with the wonderful Dr. Giles Peacroft, he was talking about how we allow our thoughts to determine our feelings and how difficult it can be to differentiate between the two. And a lot of problems in everyday life, uh, including things like depression and burnout and all the other um, problems that we, we face, these can often be attributed to this principle of our thoughts and feelings and I will leave a link to that podcast episode in the description of this one I do do strongly advise to go back and listen to that and he puts it very eloquently and why do I bring this up now well it's it's actually very relevant and in the case of computer games the immersive world that we find ourselves in when we when we play these computer games they evoke such strong emotions that we can find ourselves feeling like it is real. And this is fine in small doses. And we have the very same process when we cry whilst reading a sad book or jump when we see a horror film. We know it's not real, but it's our thoughts that provoke emotions that make us believe that they're real. And that is where addictions can take form. We transport ourselves away from our actual reality into this wonderful fantasy world which we actually prefer it's like a drug abuser who's who's looking for their next high to elevate them to a different world a computer game addict is looking to stay in that virtual world that is essentially created for them with pixels on a screen it might not be real but we think it's real and this is why people suffer addictions with things like pornography or chat lines etc they the emotions that they have whilst watching or listening to that content, it feels so real that it can lead them to believing that this is real and they want more of that world. And fundamentally, 
we're all human. We all chase dopamine. We all want that that rush. And everything we do in life evokes some form of emotion. And it could be playing a computer game, it could be driving a car quickly, it could be whatever it, whatever it may be. We do it to pr- evoke an emotion. We want that dopamine release. And so this brings us to computer game addiction. I do love the old computer game. They're fun and they're designed to be fun. They can bring you know, family and friends together with games like Mario Kart and GoldenEye, for those who remember that on the Nintendo 64, still the best first-person shooter of all time. And yes, I remember buying GTA V many years ago and playing it for days until I completed it, until you know, and until there was nothing left to do in the game. And if anyone from Rockstar Games is listening, if you could hurry up and release GTA 6, it would be very much appreciated. But I've never been addicted to computer games for more than a few days. Uh, I think I was able to recognise when too much was too much. And plus I found it was very expensive to buy new games. And But I can easily see how someone can become addicted very, very easily. It, it, it does transport you into another world, puzzle solving or, or just the idea that you can be someone else as as a form of an avatar, for example. And importantly, we have to try and recognise the cause of why someone seems to spend all their time in their bedroom um, playing these games before we simply label them as uh, say a lazy, stroppy teenager who just wants to play games all the time. Around 1% to 9% and preach it's a broad range, but they're the figures. Around 1% to 9% of um, children who are into computer games suffer some form of addiction. So let's round it up. Say about 5% of children um, who are into computer games suffer some form of addictions. And it affects more boys than girls. As I said, it's extremely easy just to label a kid as, as someone who just simply wants to play computer games all the time. They're not very social and, and all the rest. And... I think we are in the danger of of missing something here. And importantly, we have to try and recognise why. What is the deeper meaning in that? Is someone doing this to avoid something deeper like depression? Because it keeps them away from society. A child or teenager might be insecure and they, they might find it easier to hide behind that avatar and behind a microphone. And... It's that point when an isn't when does an innocent hobby turn into an addiction? And I want to talk about how to recognise some of these symptoms. So with regards to computer game, if you're noticing someone who is or yourself thinking about gaming all the time or a lot of the time, you're feeling bad when you can't play. You're needing to spend more and more time to play these games to feel good. And this is this is very similar to a drug addiction. Initially, you don't need a lot of a substance to provide the same high. And as time goes on, you need more and more of it. There's things like not being able to quit or even play less. There's not wanting to do anything else other than play computer games. And that includes things that you used to like before. And I think that's that's quite a big one. Uh, with with any addiction you stop doing the things that you used to enjoy and replace it for this one new thing um 
you may suffer from problems at work, school, or home life just purely because of gaming. Maybe missing homework deadlines. Maybe calling in sick uh, to work. All these things. Also, playing despite these problems. You may find lying to people close to you about how much time you spend playing, and and this is often seen in in alcoholics or people that um, I see it all the time in in patients when I ask them how much they smoke, how much they drink. I guarantee it's it's nearly always a lie. It's always more than what's being told to me. Also. You may find using gaming to ease bad moods and feelings. So if you notice that when someone's being sad or upset, they go straight to their computer or PlayStation or whatever it may be, it may be in a good way of releasing some of that that stress. But at the same time, if this is always happening, it could be a sign of an addiction. So if you or someone you know has these symptoms or are worried about video game addiction, there are things that can be done. These are mainly in the form of therapy and CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy. And your GP can help advise you on where to seek this help from or they can help refer you on. In the meantime, recognising that there is a problem is actually the first step and trying to wean down the number of gaming hours that you're um, spending is a start. Maybe make time for coffee with friends for an hour each week. It's not much time. But it's a start. Or if you're a parent, think up of an outdoor activity to do. One which sounds like fun that might just distract the child from a computer game. Or build something together. It's all these things. Like I say, we're all, we're all chasing that, that release, that dopamine release. And we're all wanting to maybe get away from things. And if there's something that can help fill that, that gap other than, say, a computer game or other than another form of addiction. These are often good stepping stones to start with. Now, the other reason why I wanted to talk about this this week is because the NHS in England has just released, uh, or just launched rather, the, the first clinic to help children and young adults deal with computer game addiction. And they've made it part of uh, their long-term NHS plan. And all this comes from the growing concern about the amount of time children are playing computer games and the impact it can have on their mental health. And this brings me on to the other side of this um, conversation, which was the everlasting debate as to whether or not a violent video games cause violent behaviour, even to the extent that mass shootings have been blamed on them. And there was recent studies with about 2,000 participants that have shown there is no link between violent video games and causing children to become violent. Despite this, I'm, I'm sure this is a debate that will be ongoing. Personally, I think if we're blaming things like mass shootings on video games rather than looking at something deeper in the psychology of those committing such atrocities, I think we're being very short-sighted. I've played many first-person shooters um, over the years and I know many people have played violent video games and at no point have any of us thought I know that this sounds like a good idea it it doesn't happen another telling piece which was actually published in the New York Times um, quite recently I found to be quite profound I'm, I'm quoting here if video games did indeed cause some mass shootings one might expect such events to be common in Japan or South Korea 
both countries spend more per capita on video games than the United States and have a huge video game community. Japan is home to video game makers like Nintendo, Sega and Sony, while South Korea has highly developed competitive video game industry. But Japan and South Korea, both of which have very strict laws limiting gun ownership, have among the lowest rates of violent crime in the world, and mass casualty shootings are quite rare. So that's a quote from the New York Times. Now, I'm not going to go into the gun law debate at all. I'm you know, that's not what this show's about. But what that, and indeed the evidence, does show is that blaming things like mass shootings on computer games is really quite dumb. And those who argue the contrary have to be sure, have to be sure to themselves, if they were to ask themselves, if computer games didn't exist, would those people have never carried out such atrocities or violent crimes? Personally, I don't think I could convince myself of that I'm pretty sure that whether or not computer games existed or not, those crimes would still be committed by evil people for a number of different reasons, a number of different psychological reasons. And I really think it would be a bold person that would admit to the contrary of that. I believe there's something far more fundamentally wrong with someone who chooses to to do and carry out such atrocities. I think blaming it on a, on video games is a is just a cop out. Um, that said, it's my opinion. I do believe that exposing children to things that their minds are not quite mature enough to differentiate from reality, and this goes back to where we started, can cause harm. And it can be in, in the form of bad dreams, sleepless nights, phobias. And that's why video games like films have age ratings on them. So if you are thinking of purchasing a video game for someone, just do have a quick look at the age rating to make sure it's appropriate. So the main message for this episode is if you do think that yourself or a loved one does have a computer game addiction before they're simply labelled and try and identify if there's another cause for this addiction. A computer game is essentially uh, an online mask or uh, a, a false world and so if they are spending too much time on them it might be to cover up for something a little bit deeper there might be underlying depression there there might be some other love psychological things that need to be looked into that's it for this week and uh, as always thank you very much for listening and if you do have any questions please do email me at a view at gmail.com and please email me any topics that you'd like me to discuss i really do enjoy receiving your emails and i do my very best to respond to every single one of them If you enjoy the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes or Podchaser or whatever platform that you're listening to me on. I I really do appreciate it and it does help me out a lot. As always, please look after yourselves and I'll join you again next time. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Goodbye. Goodbye.